Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. You know, speaking of one league executive, I was talking to him about it. He was pointing out to me that this is something that's going to be on the horizon that we need to really consider is the potential liability of putting any employee into an environment where they could, they could, you know, get coronavirus. And not, and I realize that people are politicizing this to the point where you're saying, oh, roll your eyes, like deal with it. But this is a, a litigation happy society at this point. So if someone catches that in the work environment and all of a sudden it's an unsafe work environment, that becomes a potential massive problem for the company. That's Jeff Darlington from ESPN. It's a little about what we talked about yesterday. We kind of flipped over to some of the rules, the protocols going into place, but especially with older coaches. And this might fall into place for anybody, but what Darlington is talking about, I think, really hits home with the older coaches. And will they want to come back? What happens if they do get sick? All those things. I think what's everybody, listen, the NFL is no different in terms of everywhere else when it comes to that. There's some big news happening in the sports world uh, that show more indications and signs of us getting back to normal. These all happening in the last uh, hour or so. Uh, and that is the NBA. Uh, there's some word that Orlando's going to be a host spot, which has been rumored and talked about, but it's more and more likely that Orlando will be a host spot to host games. And June 1st, back into facilities and kind of get things ramped up again and mid-July kind of timetable for some tip-off games in in the playoffs Mm -hmm. for the 2019-20 season. So that's there's some momentum for that. And then a big one just out in the last hour, several reports now that college campuses will open up for voluntary workouts. Now, these aren't like spring ball and those kind of things, but voluntary workouts. Again, it has to work in – concert if you will with local guidelines so much like the nfl facilities opening up and i thought it was interesting there we'll talk about it in just a moment or two but uh the interesting part about it is that kids that stayed in the area they'll be first ones allowed kind of back on and they'll still have the social distancing and the numbers i think ohio state said they they won't start with uh more than 10 people in a weight room at a time Mm -hmm. so you'll see a lot of these kind of rules but the idea that college kids can be allowed back on the campus from an athletic standpoint to use the facilities would be the news that is new here, but also trending toward getting back to some sense of normalcy. When we use the term voluntary workouts, obviously that phrase carries a lot of uh, cachet with Jaguars fans from last year, right? Tom Coughlin comes out, calls out Jalen Ramsey and Talvin Smith, says that he expects everyone to be here for the voluntary workouts. And, you know, the, there is kind of a fine line with the voluntary workouts of how many guys actually show up. Should they show up? Is it the right to show up? And things like that. And how much does it count against them when they don't show up? Okay. Well, if you think it's bad in the NFL, Brent, I'm here to tell you, man, college football is 10 times worse. Okay. So we say voluntary workouts, but let's be honest. I mean, if you're a Nick Saban coach team, um, if you're a Dabble Sweeney coach team, you know, if, if, if you're the LSU Tigers coming out through a national championship, 
do you think the coach is like, all right, guys, well, keep in mind now, this is voluntary, okay? So not everyone's got to show up. Just if you feel comfortable and if you feel right, then by all means, come in the weight room and let's go. No, it's like you guys better be here because we need everybody under the same roof. Now, I get it. There's rules in place, only 10 people per weight room or on the field, whatever that is, okay? I like that. But to sit here and say there's going to be voluntary workouts, come on, man. Yeah, well, I think there's always the element of that, right? Uh, and I talked to Jamari Peacock today. He's a kid from Uli, and he's now a senior at Virginia. He's a fullback. Going to be an NFL draft pick, most likely play fullback in the league, uh, working on a story. Kind of, He's the guy that replaced Derrick Henry. Yeah. Uh, and so, good kid. But he's up in Charlottesville, you know, up on around the campus. So, he, it would fit kind of him. Mm-hmm. Like, where he'll be the first one allowed back on because, all right, I'm in my apartment in Charlottesville. Never came back to Uli for this time period, just stayed up there and kind of waiting for things to open up. And now he'll be allowed to. Now, like he told me, he said he's been working in, like, his private gym. Uh, uh, he has a gym in his in the basement of wherever they're living or something like that. But, cool. Uh, but it's it's interesting. Like I don't. I guess the good news here is the NCAA is going to allow it. I don't really think it's the NCAA. I don't even really think it's presidents as much as it's kind of local guidelines. They're led by what the. I think Jason Fitz said this right. What governments are telling us? What phase are you in? What are you allowing? Well, then I think the campuses, the leagues are going to follow suit. Mm-hmm. So that's the latest on that front. Let's wrap up the conversation uh, on the Jags. And uh, we might circle back onto this college campus news that just came out in the last uh, hour or so. We're saying underappreciated players. We mentioned that, that Barnwell said Andrew Norwell. Uh, you said Brandon Linder. I even said Fournette. Now, listen, I'm not sure I would say Fournette is my top guy. I just think if you're throwing names out there, I would think he'd be in Who's the mix. Who's your top guy? You know, Linder's a very good one. Very, very good one. I, I wonder if a guy that might be near the top of my list – is Avery Jones on the d- defensive side of the ball? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm just talking about in totality okay, of the team. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And so Avery Jones is a guy that's you know he's, people talk sometimes about cash, cup, uh, cap casualties mm-hmm. and four million bucks. I think it is. They bring in Al Woods like well whatever Avery Jones whatever. I think everybody has said for eight nine years now Avery Jones whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think the guy has done a really good job and continues to be reliable and at times even a playmaker for them but gets no talk whatsoever i mean none and he could be a very valuable piece this year because of their their youth Mm -hmm. and this is a guy that's seen it all he's been through it and has a personality a charisma uh i don't know what kind of leader so per se he is in there but i do think from an appreciation value these are the kind of guys that if we go back to the Daryl Smith kind of talk, that the Jaguars would let go. Mercedes Lewis, Daryl Smith, mm-hmm. and then you saw some, I think, uh, cause and effect things happen in their locker room because of it. I think it's you have to keep guys like Avery Jones. And I think Avery Jones can be a valuable football player, whether it's depth or whether it's starting in front of Al Woods or wherever you want to put him on the line. Uh, maybe Avery Jones, one of the most underappreciated guys over the years for the Jacks. Listen, Avery Jones is, you know, right now where he stands is the longest tenure Jacksville Jaguar for a reason, all right, because he's done a great job of doing what he has to do to maintain a career. You know, it kind of reminds me of Tyson Alualo a little bit, you know. I always said Tyson was underrated, but obviously where he was drafted, people had those super high expectations. But Tyson Alualu, 
still in the league, all right, for a reason. You know why? Because he's a damn good football player. So I agree with you with Avery Jones being underrated. He plays a thankless position. He takes on a lot of double teams. You're not going to see him in the back a lot making the quarterback sacks because that's not his job. Um, out of that defense, like obviously I'm still going to go Linder number one overall, but out of that defense, I'd probably roll with uh, Avery Jones for sure. Um, it's funny. If we're going into the, like, the 2019 season, I mean, to me, it would be Marcel Darius all day, you know, and, and it kind of goes to show you what the Jaguars lost with him because in a room full of the Calais Campbells, in a room full of the Yannick Ngakwe's, and you bring in Josh Allen, he's looking good. Like, people always forgot about Marcel Darius and what that guy brought to the table. And you saw it firsthand when he got hurt how that run defense went downhill. And a lot of that was because Marcel Darius wasn't out there. So um, I think Marcel Darius the past couple years has been that kind of guy. Now, obviously, not with the team anymore, but I think it deserves to be mentioned. All right. Uh, let's move from a diff- from that topic to a different topic on the Jags. Just a quick one. I just put this out on social media, and it's got me thinking with the whole Minshew stuff or any like Vegas bet that you see has the Jags as like least amount of wins. Uh, favorite to go 0-16. You know, worst team in the NFL, power poles, whatever. Uh, and I said, is this the most or the least amount of expectations the Jaguars have had? The least amount of expectations since fill in the blank. What year? Last year they had more expectation than this. They had more talent. Even, and Nick Foles is on board. Two years prior, it was 18. They were coming off the great season. They started 3-1. and one. They had high expectations, like Super Bowl expectations. Mm-hmm. 17, they had expectations. Like, it was win now, man. Get Tom Coughlin in here. Doug Marone, you got to start winning games. 16, they had a ton of expectations because they had talent on the football team. They just didn't do it. Mm-hmm. That's why Gus Bradley got fired. 15, I feel like they had some of that. Not as high, but I think they had some of that. Like, okay, this is the year. Let's see if this can be the year that that this uh, young talent that they built over three years that might have been the it's built year actually, uh, you know, ah, rises to the top. The infamous it's built year, yes, yeah. Yes. And so they might have actually put all, more pressure on themselves. And keep in mind, in fifteen, actually Blake Bortles had some decent numbers. A lot of people say garbage numbers, but it was like four thousand yards. I think he ended up with the thirty-five touchdowns that year, but also the eighteen picks. Now, I debate between 14, I don't think there was a lot of expectation. But I also don't know if there was 2 and 14 worse than the league expectation. I go to 2013. 2013, to me, that team, if they, if at the beginning of the year, if this time of year going into 13 season, you said they won three games, you might be on the high side. I mean, again, the, the roster was, uh, yeah, you were right there toward the end there. But Yeah, but let's keep in mind, though. Okay, you still had Maurice Jones-Drew. You had Gus Bradley, who was a brand-new head coach, coming over from Seattle, where it's like, oh, we got the Seattle guy now. Great yeah, energy. Brings expectation. You're great right. expectations, great energy. I look at it like this, and we've had this conversation before. I think you and I both agree if the Jacksonville Jaguars win seven games or above, that's going to be a, a very... Uh, intriguing season. That'll be that's going to be a celebration. Yeah, uh, this little golf clap. Not a parade, but if you will. that'll be like, hey, you know what? Yeah. Not bad. So here, here we go. So if the Jaguars win seven games, I think Jaguars fans be like, dang, didn't see that coming. That's awesome. You know, like the, the, they'll embrace yeah. seven games. It might not go awesome. But, well, okay, but you're I mean, right. You know what I'm saying, though, right? And let's be honest, that's below 500. How, how many NFL teams can say that? Not too many of uh, their fan bases. So I dare to go back and, you know, in the culmination of uh, the Jaguars' history here of starting in 95, now 2020, where 
fans have had that kind of optimism where it's like, man, if we win seven games this year, that's going to be a good year. You know, like, I, I can't, and listen, keep in mind, like, yeah, did I follow Jackson Jaguars back in 95, 96? No, but I think, I mean. Well, 95, there would be no expectation. Yeah, there yeah. were a transition year there. I mean, they were a, a, a new team in the NFL, yeah. and so, no, there were no, it was just whatever, right? Exactly. Hey, they're playing football. Great. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's kind of my point here, where I, I really feel like this year is probably the lowest expectation. Interesting. Since I've been here, oh, wait, there was mega expectation here. They thought they had, they were on the cusp. I mean, again, I still think it's like the start of the downfall. They they trade up, they get Derek Harvey, they they put their hands through the teal, ceiling tiles, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Ted Monachino's uh, defensive line room, and they're like, we're, "This is it, man. We're gonna make a run." Yeah, and they couldn't have been more off. Like, mm-hmm. and, it, and it set this whole chain of events into a spiral. Mm-hmm. But really, it, it has. I mean, that was the beginning of it because they thought they were like a player away, mm-hmm. uh, which is so dangerous. So, oh wait, there was high expectation. Oh nine, Jack's still there. So there was some expectation to be winning. Ten had a pretty decent run at it. You know, Garrard's still the QB and yeah, you know, normal expectation. Not ultra high, but normal expectation. Eleven. Fifth round draft picks coming in, so they're going to keep a little bit. Yeah, now we're talking. Uh, Eleven, I wouldn't say they had like playoff expectation, but I would again put it under normal expectation with the idea that also Gabbert waiting in the wings as a new franchise quarterback kind of brings the same kind of uh, expectation as like a new coach mm-hmm. when you get that new franchise QB. 2012 would have been Mike Malarkey's year. And Malarkey in 12. They, listen, they thought they were going to win. Like, well, they told Sean Conn that they yeah. were going to win. And it was going to be Blaine Gabbard's second year right now. He can Absolutely. build off it a little bit. He's got a little more experience behind him. He's still got Maurice Jones Drew coming off a great year. I think they ripped it up, man, after 12 for the most part. They ripped it up. Again, if you look at the by the, by the time they took the field in 13, that roster was genuinely one of the worst rosters ever assembled in NFL history. It, it it would rival some. And it just didn't have a lot of depth to it, didn't have a lot of proven commodities to it, had a lot of young guys. And, and I think it, it proved out that way. Uh, what I don't exactly remember was what you just said is an interesting point. Gus Bradley comes in. There's always that energy with a new coach. Nobody's sitting there saying, oh, yeah, this guy's only going to win two year, two games in his first year yeah. or four games. But I, I just I think there was a reality to what was going on in 13. Like, OK, we get it. Kind of like what's going on now. There's a reality in Jacksonville. Like, I don't think everybody's ticked off at what's going on in Jacksonville. I no. think they're still a little mad that Marone and Caldwell are here. But I I don't I think they see it. I think football fans in Jacksonville are smart enough to say, all right, I see what they're doing. They cleared some cap space. They've got a little bit uh, – we could – the young guy here, young guy there, they're going with Gardner Minshew, see what they've got. They've got plenty of draft capital this year, next year. People liked what they did in the draft for the most part. Mm-hmm. Again, the, you but, have to follow me here. I'm not saying there are believers in what everybody in the building are doing. Mm-hmm. I just think from a football professional sports standpoint, you can see what the Jaguars are doing right now and saying, hey – we can flip this. We just saw San Francisco flip it. We saw this team flip it. You can do that now in professional sports. So I think people see it. I think they're smart enough to see it. And therefore, I, I think they say, you know what? If it is a seven-win season, if it is an eight-win season, as long as you're going to give me 11-5 and five next year in 2021, I'll buy into that. Uh, but again, there's a little faith that the folks in charge can do that. I, I'll admit to that. Uh, that why that's why I say thirteen and, and twenty are similar. I think see, the, but I'm, the sports fan in Jacksonville is smart enough to kind of see what they're trying to do at least. See, but I'm going to say this though, in terms of the Jaguars fan base that's on social media, let's go ahead and say a realistic percentage of maybe twenty five to thirty percent of the fans on social media want to tank for Trevor Lawrence. Okay, if you go back to 2013. 
people are still ready to roll with Blaine Gabbert. Okay, it wasn't, well, we, we should tank, we should lose on purpose to try to get a better quarterback. Like, yeah, they didn't like playing Gabbert, but it wasn't like, oh, we got to throw away this season because, you know, we're going to stink. Now, we have Gardner Minshew. We've been over the numbers a million times. We've been over the accolades. We've been over what the teammates say about him. But that's still not good enough for people. Okay? What he did last year as a rookie is still not good enough for people. So, with that being said... I just think this year there is zero expectations because we have a fan base here who wanted to give Gardner Minshew a chance. We have a fan base who's like, all right, we, we got a tank, man. Like, all right, it, it's upon us. We lost Clayus Campbell. We lost A.J. Boye. You know, we're, we're playing for the future. Bring on the tank. Yeah. Like, that's that's the mindset of a lot of Jaguars fans out there. Okay? That's fair enough. And I don't know if they even had that back in 2013. I'll yeah. be honest. That's fair enough. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point. I, I, I what I have my, I'm having a hard time remembering I'm misremembering, <laughs> yeah. says Roger Clemens. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm i having a hard time remembering the feeling when Gus was hired in 13 and what people thought about their roster. Yeah. Again, I, I the reality is that it proved out this way. The roster was not very good. And mm. by eight games in, it was like, oh, my God, this roster is not good. Like, it was bad. I mean, look at the eight games. It was un- Again, Gus Bradley's the best thing. I mean, Gus Bradley should put on his resume that he won four games. That, that should be the lead story on every Gus Bradley resume, that he won four games with that football team, and he won four out of five weeks coming out of the bye. It was like an unbelievable coaching job. Uh, that's what I would lead with, uh, with, with Gus Bradley's <laughs> resume. Even, forget about the Seattle years, what he's doing with L.A. now and all that, and defensive coordinator. They're winning four games with that football team was amazing. Mm. So I... But I just don't know the feeling. I think you you have a good point, though, and you might be right. I mean, so you're telling me, and, and this might be accurate, this might be the least amount of expectations overall that this football team has ever had. Yep. Outside and, of probably year one where there were no expectations. You just didn't know. It's not yeah. like you had high or low. You just... It's like, again, we're going to play football in Jacksonville. That yeah. was the expectation. Yeah, I, I, I just off that, and we'll be happy. I just thought that Mark Brunel was cool because he signed my program when I was at Stevens Point, you know, for the first <laughs> training camp, and that was about it. Zero expectations. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a pretty accurate assessment there, Brent. Um, and it's a joy to talk about this season with you going forward, man. I can't wait. Well, but yeah, but you know me. One, I'm sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, and you two, are. I think, I, I think the folks that think tank for Trevor is a real deal, I think you're you're out of your mind. Oh, of course. Uh, again, I, mean, I you, saw. You know how I feel about. I that. saw yeah. that thirteen team up close and personal. This team is twenty five times better mm-hmm. than that thirteen team that won four games. Like twenty five times. Like maybe a hundred times better. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. that's why the take for Trevor people they don't even register with me. I get what you're saying, but it doesn't register. This this roster is way better than a tanking team. It's better than the Dolphins roster was last year. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, I'm. I hear what you're saying. I, I just think, obviously, it comes down to the quarterback at the end of the day. Okay, we can sit here and talk about Josh Allen. We should be ex- we should be ecstatic right now about Josh Allen, right, Brent? We should have Khalil Mack, Von Miller type senses of hype right now for Josh should, Allen. Yeah, but you know what? We don't. Okay, let's be honest. We don't. Um, we should be excited for Chase on, man. Okay, like I said, probably the best first step of anybody in that draft. Uh, maybe Chase Young had him beat, but, you know, a very quality edge rusher coming in the Jacksonville Jaguars. More sacks in the backfield, more parties. It's going to be a sack party. Fantastic. We're not talking about it. All we're talking about is, is Minshew going to be the guy or not? Is Minshew going to be the guy or not? And I get it. The quarterback is the ultimate position, so I see where people are coming from. But as far as the good things that the Jaguars have, the DJ Charks, you know, the Josh Allens, Yannick Ngakwe possibly playing in this year, of all the good things that the Jaguars have, 
We ain't really talking about him. We're just kind of like, yeah, let's get through this season and see where we're at at the end of the year. Yeah, well, careful with we. I'm not. I'm talking about. Oh, uh, I mean, hey, and so am Gardner I, man. Mitch I'm just. I'm Chris talking about Thompson. the. I'm talking about the royal we. I'm talking about everybody yeah. here. The royal we. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right, though, man. It is interesting. And and again, I think a lot of that view comes from outside of the city limits. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens anyway. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think people deep down, even though they don't always appear, want good things to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah. The Jags. Yeah. Uh, I think if you ask people, okay, you can tank for Trevor and have Trevor Lawrence next year, or you can find out this year, and it's going to be proven that Gardner's the guy for the next ten years. I think people want that. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they want Trevor Lawrence for that. Yeah. I, I just don't know if they believe in anything right now. That's why the tank for Trevor. But I think these people, these people in Jacksonville, people, Jags fans would say, heck, yeah, man, we hope he, he surprises everybody and is the guy. And we know he's the guy. He looks like the guy. We're buying into the guy. Mm-hmm. And Trevor Lawrence can take that hair and go somewhere else. Absolutely. By the way, I might have Trevor Lawrence hair soon. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I feel like I need a cut. Come man. on, man. Brent, I'm going with the mullet. We play listen to Grow Out That Shadow a little bit. Let's get a nice little salt and pepper mane going on there. And then let's get some long hair, man. Let's, 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 re- 2020, the year of Brent Martin, man. Let's get a new brand going for you. Yeah, it's happening. Let's get it, man. Uh, I'm excited. Cut out. Yeah. Cardboard cutout. Uh, yeah, it would probably cost too much with the rebranding and the cutout and all that <laughs> yeah, stuff. The new cartoon right. characters. I know. Let's, let's, let's. Yeah. <laughs> well, didn't you tell me, though, there's like new. Um you can make your own. On the Facebook, yeah, we're going to just use the Facebook uh, oh, emoji people. The emojis? Oh, yeah. Those are everywhere, see, by the way. See, I need a good uh, a quality uh, like characterization. Not That's not the word. I need a quality you need a defining. Third like, you have the beard. Like, yeah, what would that be sure. called? A defining what? Feature? Feature. Feature. There we go. Oh, that too. Mm. So outside of <laughs> my handsome looks and personality, athletic body i can't really show that okay so feature. much like those people on facebook you're being very generous with yourself right now and your features so i okay? need like i need bangs or something <laughs> you need bangs chris Gaines. no you don't okay let's not get bangs in the mix let's get the long hair in the back a little mullet in right now man I know. i'm just saying mullet in right now with gundy from dude, oklahoma state kind know, of mullet <laughs> that or the cowboy hat dude you rocked the cowboy hat in nashville for the nfl draft i did Make it a staple for Brent Martin. Just every day. Do every the day news a cowboy and a cowboy hat. Yeah. Now, it could be out with no, the, the, the headphones problem, and everything. The but with that, the cowboy hat's too far forward, and the camera angle's coming from it like we would never see your face on yeah. the stream. I have to raise that hat a little bit. Or some tattoos. Be, be, be the only <laughs> guy in the you know, tattoos. Tell him who's got tattoos. Well, <laughs> hey, hey, how about a neck tattoo? I'm trying to help him out, not ruin his career. Let's be serious. <laughs> neck tattoo. Here. Neck tattoo. There we go. There we go. J- 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 get Steph right, right down the middle. Step right there. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, who was no. the who was the basketball player that had uh like the the his girl's like name and then the like the smooch mark the kiss mark Kenyon Martin Kmart oh it might have been That's maybe might have been Kenyon Martin man you want to talk about an aggressive you want to talk about showing of love well you said that I'm just saying an aggressive show of love and admiration man yeah getting you gotta have a very popular name so that way if it doesn't work out you just go find another young lady. With that name, or one Rachel that you can or Nicole or something, yeah. Uh, or, or you can go with like Nicole or Nikki or something like now, that. Now that way, it, it comes up with several or, names. Or better yet, use initials. You know, use initials yeah, to really, really broaden the range a little bit. You know, and like and in a kiss. Yeah, yeah, a little shotgun pattern. Just spread it out a little bit. I need some more features <laughs> for my emoji on Facebook. Yeah, there you go, right there, Brenda. There, there's the kiss tattoo. Kenyon Martin, what were you thinking? How aggressive is that, though? Huh? That's bad. It's awful. Uh, 
Like, yeah. I, that's what I don't get. Like, and, uh, you know, like, that's not cool. Like, these guys are supposed to be hip, cool, like, <laughs> athletes. Hey. There's nothing cool about that. Like, nobody in the locker room said, hey, man, that's awesome. I got to get one of those. Yeah. Nobody said that. <laughs> and to top it off, the girl's name underneath it's Cameron with a K. Good luck oh, finding yeah. another Cameron. You're screwed. Hey, you're you're pot committed, sir. <laughs> you're you're all in on the first hand right get there. Cammy. <laughs> and, and that's usually probably a C as it's well. It's definitely a C, yeah. All right, uh, when we come back, some some big news out of the sports world today and getting closer to more sports. How about that? Yeah, let's uh, get it. we'll we'll give you the rundown and uh what else is happening in the sports world that might make you think about the NBA. Or college football got a big boost maybe in the last couple of hours. College sports maybe got a big boost in the last couple of hours. Or are we reading into it a little bit too much? We'll give you the latest on the pandemic front when it comes to sports right after this on ESPN 690. No, definitely not giving up on the season. You know, not only, you know, myself and my teammates, Lakers organization, we want to we want to play. Um, There's a lot of uh, players that I know personally um, that want to play. You know, as a fan myself. You know, I know we all miss it, and, and, and I, I will be sitting here lying if I say we don't. We all miss the game of basketball, man. It's, just, it, it's done so much for all. You, you're seeing it right now with the last dance. You, you're seeing it. It's firsthand, firsthand of how the game of basketball uh, just assembles everybody. So um, hopefully this 2020 season can continue um, sooner or later. That is LeBron James. I'll say this. I miss watching LeBron James play basketball. I'm not a huge NBA guy, yeah, but I like watching LeBron play. And it would have been real. Imagine the thoughts and, and conversations if the last dance is running simultaneous with the Lakers and LeBron making a push in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, which again, you have to remember now, uh, the last dance was initially scheduled to go off, I think, sometime in June. And they moved it up because of the pandemic and it fit in a good window. So I don't know if it, maybe it would have been in line with the finals. I'm not sure exactly the date. But it would have been pretty wild to see because everybody would be talking about that dynamic. Or it's dynamic. like right at the end, for Austin's sake, Giannis just beats him, and then they get to go watch <laughs> MJ's documentary. <laughs> Let's get it. Some funny, Brent? Yeah, that's funny. Some funny. Oh, I, some fun- <laughs> I was surprised that uh, you said you didn't hammer me yesterday on Twitter when I said uh, a little MJ fatigue or what? I didn't see it. What'd you put? I saw. I said. I said MJ fatigue. It was like another something. It was like behind the documentary, an yeah. hour show on yeah, MJ, as it should be. Hey, when you're the best basketball player, arguably, arguably of all time, you can get behind the scenes, all right? No, and listen, this is, and once again, like, well, we go back here again, but like, you just can't be happy for a person, right? Like, you just, you just can't, like, <laughs> you don't want to see Michael Jordan make it, man. You, you don't want to see Michael <laughs> Jordan have it. all the success, but, but, <laughs> but, but it pains you, <laughs> but it pains you deep down to your core. I'm talking about the 10 year old Brent Martineau who's growing up with Dan Marino and Larry Bird in his room with those short ass shorts and those ugly ass Converse weapons. It just pains you to see a guy like Michael Jordan get so much respect and pop in circumstance because he was the game changer. And it kills you because you know, and I know, and Kuz knows, and our listening audience knows that if they ever make a Larry Bird documentary, we're going to be talking about a snooze fest. An absolute snooze fest. So with that being said, man, you can keep being a hater, but when you're done being a hater, come on the bandwagon with me and Kuz, man, because it's nice up here, it's a nice smooth ride, and it's a ride full of appreciation for the goat known as MJ. Are you done? 
Well, I can go on if you want. No, I'm not talking about Michael Jordan anymore. <laughs> He's so bitter. So bitter about it. Oh, it's a shame. Yeah, well, it was a great documentary. That was enough. Let's move on to last. He's so bitter. Is it really, though? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that what we're talking about now? Hey, this weekend. This weekend on ESPN. You gonna watch it? Ah, uh, you know, I got. I don't know. Well, yeah, I'll probably tape it. What? I don't know. Three hours. Like three, three hours, hours seems a little much. Three hours on Lance. Three hours a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. Like what's, a, what's a three hour movie that? Like, Braveheart. Was it Braveheart? Like Lord remember, of the Rings. Yeah, Dancing with the. Oh, no, not Dancing with the Wolves. What's what the Wolves? Dancing with Wolves. Dancing with Wolves. <laughs> yeah, Dancing with Wolves. <laughs> Dancing with the Stars. Hey, I thought that was a damn good poll right there. That, that was so bad. I screwed up hey, the title. I, 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 well, here's why I'm laughing at it because you had Dancing with the Stars on your mind and you said Dancing with the Wolves. I knew that's exactly where you went. But no, that, that's a good Dancing poll. with the Wolves like super long. Kevin Costner, I. I think, I think it was. So, yeah. I think it was really long. Like, yeah. I think it was longer than Braveheart. Once. Really? I'm pretty sure. And now you're, now you're calling me out. Okay. I'll <laughs> yeah, look I, it I'm up. I'm just right. saying. I yeah, think yeah. it was. Yeah. All, right. uh, all right. Hey, a couple of things. Uh, I, I want to get to this topic real quick because uh, we teased it. Minor League Baseball, is it in trouble? There's this article out. Uh, now, listen, you got to know uh, real quick. I, I'm not going to get deep into this. <sighs> I don't know. Dance with Wolves is three, three hours, hours and one minute. minute. Just, That's a lot of Kevin Costner. Just Gossman. hunt the buffalo already and eat the heart. Let's go. <laughs> what are you guys waiting for? It's like the Titanic with all this setup. Just go on your hunt and get it over with. I'll look up Braveheart real quick, too. <laughs> yeah, please do. Yeah, sorry. I can't wait. I think what you're was right, longer, dude. Braveheart oh, or the Michael no. Jordan documentary? Oh, no. No way. Yes, sir. Missed it by three minutes. But it could be credit time. I don't know, man. It was in the, it was in the West. That? It was. I don't know. How do I know? Good pull, Brent Martin. Oh, man. Thank you very much. You, Dancing with the Wolves. You've won this one. You've won this one. Oh, good I can't call. believe I came up with Dancing with the Wolves. That's I mean, insane, That man. was a long time ago. Good pull. Hey, minor league baseball. Real, uh, not going to go deep dive in here. But I, I saw an article in Sports Illustrated, and this hits home. I, I've told you before. First of all, I'm a baseball guy, but I, I love minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. I grew up around the Pawtucket Red Sox. It was a big thing back home, 33-inning game, Wade Boggs, Roger Clemens, Oil Can Boyd. You know, they were just down the road from Boston, so all the guys would go through there or on rehab stints. It was a big deal. Uh, I worked for the Pawtucket Red Sox for a little bit. I covered them once I got into the business uh, when I was in Providence. So Pawtucket Red Sox were big part of it and so much so i'm pissed off that they're leaving Pawtucket, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where my parents were born and and all that stuff so it kind of it, it was a big deal to me and i think minor league baseball is a real piece i don't use this very much but is a real part of americana mm-hmm. because yeah. it's baseball and a lot of people say obviously america's pastime which no longer is but minor league baseball kind of gives you that minor league baseball is a is a five dollar ticket a seven dollar ticket a, a Hot dog, go sit on the berm, bring the family, who cares who wins, but watch some ball, watch fireworks. You know, to me, like, if you really want to get a sense of Americana, I think minor league baseball, it's small cities, it's big cities, it's cool ballparks. And, well, Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball are at at big argument. They've got, like, this deal that's coming up this year, Mm -hmm. and they have to either redo it or change it. And it's really been the same for some five decades, I think it goes back even 100 years where it's really not that different. And now there might be some sweeping changes to it. And it came out last year that could lose like 42 minor league teams mm-hmm. across the country. And minor league baseball, including Ken Babby, Jumbo Shrimp, they're trying to save those teams. Now, they're not on that list, but there are four double-A teams 
on the list, like Binghamton, uh, I think is on that list. Jackson, who plays in the Southern League, they're on the list of teams that would be go away. So it does hit somewhat close to home. Yeah. Uh, Daytona, by the way, is one of those teams. Now they're a single A team, I believe, and and they would be on that list. So already you don't like that, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think a lot of people like that. Major League Baseball wants to take more control of it. They don't like the ballparks; they're not as nice as they should be. There, there's a lot of different reasons, and. Uh, minor league baseball kind of wants to start their own thing. That's one. Of, I'm sorry, major league baseball. That's one of the premises of this. A dream league, I think they call it. Mm-hmm. Or basically, they would funnel a lot of players through there. Mm-hmm. If they get rid of the 42, it would really change the geography of how things work. Like Jacksonville, uh, Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. I don't think they'll go to AAA, mm-hmm. even though because a lot of AAA teams aren't going to be impacted. It looks like. But they could change affiliations because of geography. Maybe they're part of the Atlanta Braves or or the Rays instead of the Marlins, even though if you think about it, the Marlins from a geographical standpoint mm-hmm. make a lot of sense. Well, the next part of that. So that's kind of a little bit. That's a very Cliff's notes. I missed a lot of details in there. So that's where it was going into the pandemic. Coming out of the pandemic, we're talking about minor league baseball might not be able to afford to do it. Like, I don't know where Ken Babby and the shrimp sit on this he also owns a team up in akron and he paid top dollar for this franchise from pedro bragan and the bragan family uh and to acquire the sons and now you're talking about a lost year of revenue a lost year of baseball and and may i don't think it didn't sense when we had ken babby on that he he thought they were in major trouble Mm -hmm. but there are some organizations across the country that are going to be in major trouble and I just wonder, you know, we asked this question at the start of this pandemic. We ask it every few weeks. What are the ramifications of sports coming out of this? And it's an unanswerable question because we don't know when out of this actually is. But the more I read about minor league baseball, it could be dire straits for the way it looks right now. And therefore, it hit me a little bit reading that article like, man, that is a part of Americana. Like that is kind of sports at, at one of its purest and genuine forms. That we may lose in some cities, maybe not here in Jacksonville, but in some sure. cities. You know, and it's something like we kind of a a topic today is you know like we take things for granted, you know, because obviously with sports right now, like we haven't taken football for granted because it starts, you know, when the in the league year coming up pretty soon. But like in terms of minor league baseball, I feel like you know people are comfortable. Like yeah, sure, people go to shrimp games and back home, you know, they go to the Madison, Madison Mallards and the Wassa Woodchucks. Like every state has their you know their own sets of minor league baseball teams. And, like, you know, in the summertime, you know it's always there, right? Where maybe, like, you don't think about, like, I wonder, like, for instance, I wonder what the, what the Wasa Woodchucks are going to do this year. Who do they add? Like, you're not really concerned about that. But then all of a sudden, when it's a Saturday night, you're looking for something to do. It's like, hey, let's go to the ballpark. Let's check out a game. And guess what? You have fun. And all of a sudden, you go back and you go back again. And it becomes a family affair, right? So It's cheaper than going to the movies, by exactly, the way. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you talk about just, you know, that Americana um you know, a, a little bit of just, you know, that, that family atmosphere, you do lose that, you know? And I, I don't think people realize just what it means until it's gone. And that's the last thing you want to see. So hopefully, you know, they can come to some kind of, I, I don't know, some, some, some form of help or something like that to save these minor league baseball teams because they are a big part of the cities. And, and they are a big part of, you know, family entertainment and everything like that. And I think if you lose those, man, you definitely lose a part of Americana. I think Jacksonville is an interesting Part of it. I love small towns as well, but I think Jacksonville's a good example. Like, listen, the Jaguars are king. There's football that is king. Yeah. But I think the Suns and the Shrimp and baseball, and, and if we're going to talk about Friday as a celebration of baseball and local baseball. 
Well, how could you not have a minor league team in Jacksonville? And again, I, I don't want this to sound like they're leaving. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the Jacksonville actually franchises will be impacted much. It doesn't sound like it. You never know. Maybe you see how long this stuff goes, and maybe it, it could be impacted. Mm-hmm. It'll be impacted to some degree. I'm just saying it might not be impacted to the point where it's like just gone. Yeah. Uh, but just take that kind of concept and put it in whatever city you want in America where either they shrunk it down to a, from 162 teams, I think, to 120 or they just couldn't stay open anymore because they didn't have enough money. Yeah. Like, that's where you could get to in minor league baseball across the country in some parts. Uh, it's an interesting read on, on Sports Illustrated if you want a little bit deeper dive. It's very complicated, I think, too. But uh, we're wondering how the pandemic will change sports. We think it already is changing college sports. Mm-hmm. Baseball at Furman, gone. Lacrosse at Furman, gone. Soccer at, at Cincinnati, gone. It's an excuse to get rid of programs. How much will no... They've got to have a football season, they say, in college, mm-hmm. or it's really going to impact. The NFL, obviously, is the NFL. Major League Baseball and NBA, they'll lose a lot of money, but they'll survive the pandemic if they can't play until next year. Mm-hmm. Minor League Baseball, in some parts, might not. They might lose the entire year, and if they don't start playing soon, they're not going to play because th- their seasons are usually done by Labor Day anyway. Uh, and it's uh, it's a pretty dire situation in, in minor league baseball and worth a read if you're interested in it. Again, I do want to reiterate, I don't think, I don't get the sense that's the case here in Jacksonville. I think it's in good hands with Ken Babby. I think they're financially sound, uh, and I, I think it'll be business as usual mm-hmm. um again they're going to take a big financial hit this year either way even if they started playing tomorrow mm-hmm. they take a hit but i, I do want to i don't want to mix the conversations jacksville i don't think is in trouble from everything i can i can tell mm-hmm. uh but there certainly are some minor league organizations across sport and across the country that uh, could be and some of this has to do with major disagreement uh with the way they do things with major league baseball right now brett martino austin lane coos as we wrap up a Wednesday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I will just give you a little teaser on baseball. If I've got a question out there, and I'm going to throw another one out there tomorrow, but who's the best high school baseball team ever from Jacksonville? If you know the area, if you know the game, if you've been around the high school scene in baseball, and, and I know that's not for everybody, what do you think? Send them in on uh, Twitter at Brent A.S. Jacks. We're going to talk local baseball on Friday. I've got a bunch of guests coming out. We had Chipper Jones on today. We'll likely replay yeah. some of that, if not all of that, on Friday. Uh, but uh, it'll be a cool show. I think it's going to be a lot of fun if you like local baseball. And I think it's not celebrated enough. We talked about underappreciated Jags. I think the baseball scene in Jacksville, the products that it produces that go on to professional ball, college ball, big league ball, is is underappreciated, mm-hmm. quite frankly, in Jacksonville. So we're going to celebrate it a little bit on Friday. One of the questions I will ask as well, and I'll probably put this one out on social media tomorrow, who is Mr. Baseball in Jacksonville? Like, who do you think of? In football, see, I think several names come to mind, right? Bob Hayes, uh, Tim Tebow, uh, even Corky Rogers, mm-hmm. the late Corky Rogers. I think they come to mind when you talk football. Who comes to mind when you talk baseball? We'll talk a little bit more about that all on Friday. Big news coming out today. Kuz, what's the latest with the NBA? Uh, Mid-July, is is that, like, hopeful? Or do you think, is there momentum that they really believe facilities and, and all of that could open up? Orlando could be the destination for these neutral site playoffs, essentially, yeah. that could start in mid-July. Yeah, the Athletic uh, tweeted out uh, at this point two hours ago. Uh, they're saying Orla- Orlando's Walt Disney World is on track to win the bid to become NBA's playing site to resume the <laughs> 1920 season uh, with hope that the games would tip off by mid-July. 
All right. So uh, they have to camps and get back on. How much have they said how much time they need? Like football, everybody says eight weeks. They don't need that much time in the NBA. I think we're talking about a two or three week stretch probably yeah i haven't heard i think that was up for a that was a debate that they were having i think they were saying you know some teams might need a little bit more time and then the main part was how do you figure out the eighth seed if you're going to do that and how you would get teams going but it didn't sound like there was a concern of you need months to prepare it's like a few weeks and you should be good to yeah, go. keep in mind there's only like two weeks left in the regular season so yeah. they'll just go to the playoffs right they'll cancel those 16 games i think so Is that, that's the uh, yeah. plan i believe uh How's the driving dish podcast going anyway, Coos? Like, what oh, have you been talking about? The last dance was beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah, the last dance all the time. Oh, let's talk about it so some far. more, Coos. Bring yeah. us back to Michael Surprise. Jordan some more, man. Just more bask, MJ, please. Bask in the greatness a little let's bit. Let's talk about number yeah. 45 we were, a little more. We I mean, were debating, though, and this could be, a, like, I guess we could you could spin it to Jags. Like, would there be a specific season of the Jaguars? I, I know you kind of talked about, I think you said 17 when, the, when we first started, but would there be a season of the Jags that you would want, like, a – uh, behind-the-scenes access documentary about? Well, listen, I think some people would want 96. I think a lot of people would want 99, you know, because 99 Jags were arguably the best football team in the league. Yeah. And and they lost to the Titans three times and shouldn't have in mm-hmm. 99% of Jags fans' minds, right? Correct. Uh, and should have gone to the Super Bowl. So that would actually – that's a good question in terms of which one – I would say 99 first because there's the stories about how it all melted down at halftime and, mm-hmm. and coming out and of uh, in that second half in the championship game. So I think that would probably be eye-opening and revealing for Jags fans. I think in 20 years, in 25 years, I already have said it. It's 2035, summer of 2035, I'm unveiling the documentary yeah. of Saxonville and yeah. what happened to everybody. Uh, from Telvin Smith to Jalen Ramsey to Yannick Ngakwe to Calais Campbell, who might be like president by then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I don't. I, I think the 17 team is from that domination to distinct. Well, <laughs> keep in mind the personalities too. To distinct disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> I should have said from from domination to extinct. So then. <laughs> You know, it doesn't have to from be from Apex Predator to extinct. <laughs> it doesn't have to be the best player. Like I know the last dance was specifically to Michael Jordan and the very last yeah, yeah. season, but like would there be a player doesn't have to be Jags, but could be Jags that you would want to like a specific documentary about their career? Yeah, I bet everybody would have their own favorite. I mean, the rise right. and fall yeah. of Jimmy Smith is really interesting, you know. Um listen, I still am fascinated with where Justin Blackman's story ends, uh, and again, that's, I mean, Telvin Smith is is, yeah. is one that's very interesting now. I mean, how does a guy just lose the love of football I just, and now end up where he's end up, and I who think, knows where he's going? I think from the trials and the tribulations, you have to go Justin Blackman, right? Because I mean, the first round pick, and when he, you know, his rookie year, he had some. I mean, like I remember some of the games we watched him play. Brandon was like, "This guy's gonna be the guy for the next decade or so. This guy's gonna be an All Pro." I you know, yeah, every, everybody thought. I never seen a guy out there catch balls. Yeah. The way he did. Exactly. In practice. And then obviously, you know, he, he falls off and um, never really got a chance to really uh, showcase his talent. So, I mean, as far as, I mean, it's not a feel-good story, obviously. Um, it's it's a cautionary tale, if you will. But I think that's one that Jaguars fans like to see behind the scenes a little bit and pull back the curtain. All right. Uh, the other big thing uh, before we go today, and, and again, this is a step in the right direction. But this is a story this afternoon that came out. Division One Council of the NCAA voted to allow voluntary on-campus athletic activities to resume in football and men's and women's basketball. That will start June 1st. There was a moratorium on this through May 31st. So basically they're saying 
in like a week and a half or so, mm-hmm. two weeks, you can get back on campus. It will start with students that are already in the area, student mm-hmm. athletes that then go voluntary work out mm-hmm. uh, so far. And that's a, a step in the right direction. It doesn't seem like much, mm-hmm. but I think it starts the ball rolling. And now there's talk that the athletic directors are trying to say, okay, how are we going to manage this? What are we going to do for testing if we want testing? A mm-hmm. lot of it, once again, will fall in live, line with local governments. Mm-hmm. So it, there's a lot of minutiae in there. I think the storyline is, hey. Campuses could start opening up. That's got to be a good sign for football and everything else going forward in the fall. And we've already seen a lot of campuses say we expect students on campus. Yeah. The Miami president came out and said we expect the college football season. Might not be fans, but we expect the college football season. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's progress. It's crazy how in one day things can change like that. But once again, yeah. I mean, I, I go back to my old standby, Brent. I'm going to keep preaching it until I see it happen. We need to get on the same page. Get on the same page. Communication, Brent. It's big in radio, big in uh, and the NFL, and big in anything uh, to do with business. I, I will say this, though. There was a hint this week that we are more on the same page because it became less of a red-blue state type thing. Yeah. When, obviously, the Florida, Texas, California, New York. Yeah, Cal- California's coming back now, too, by the way, which is crazy. That's what I mean. How insane is that? I so know. that became a little more on the same page because we're talking about of course. Red and blue states kind of doing the same thing. Yep. So it feels that we're heading in that direction. All right, uh, a lot of fun today. Thanks to Chipper Jones for stopping by. Greg awesome. Coleman, really fun conversation as well. We'll do it all again tomorrow on ESPN 690. We'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.